from the gun. Tannehill, catch made. Brown, it's dislodged, but recovered. Michael Pruitt for the touchdown. Bang, bang, and it leads to a Tennessee score. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Although there's a nice spring in my step with the way that I'm talking, you'd question what I've been drinking or having to get over that Cleveland game, but we're going to get into it today. And uh, to get into it, I've got a regular with me. Brian, how are we doing? Good, good. Thanks. Excellent. And then also joining me, we have a special guest. We have Sal from Jersey, <laughs> as his uh, Twitter would say. So, Sal, how are you doing? I'm good, fellas. How, how are you all doing today on this uh, fine December afternoon? Very cold. Yeah, cold, cold sums it up for me as well. <laughs> yeah, we're actually still kind of sitting around the high 40 to low 50 range, so I can't really complain, even though we had some snow yesterday. Kind of settled back in, so. I was going to say, speaking for the northwest of England, we've avoided snow so far. I don't know how you've been hit by it, Brian. We've been okay so far. I think it's a, it's about it's about minus one tonight though. Apparently, yeah, I might have to uh, have an extra layer of PJs tonight. So, I mean, in true transatlantic Titans fashion, Sal, we uh, always want to know how people, how on earth they become Titans fans. It's a question that often we ask ourselves every single week. But uh, what's the story with you? How did it how did it all come about? Well, the the easiest way to explain it would be. Um... My father, uh, growing up in the in the 70s, um, he became a huge, huge fan of Earl Campbell. And uh, at that time, Dan Pastorini, who was the quarterback for the Houston Oilers, and um, he, he just loved watching them play. And, you know, he didn't get the chance to see him as often as he gets to see the Titans now. But every time they'd be on primetime, he would just be in awe of them, especially Earl Campbell, because he was just uh, a very – no pun intended, Titan-like figure, as is our running back now. And uh, he just grew to love them. And uh, when I was born, they were on their way out of Houston. Uh, a couple of years later, they entered Nashville. And the rest is really history. I mean, he was always an advocate. He told me that he wasn't going to force any kind of team on me. Um, but it was very difficult for me to want to become a fan of any other team with how um, loyal my dad was to this franchise for God, almost uh, 50 years now. So um, I became a fan. Chris Johnson came onto the scene, and that escalated my fandom through the roof. And um, that's that's where it all started. And I, you know, there's no professional team on this earth that I care more for um, than the football team that resides in Nashville. So that's pretty much how how my fandom was started. Which is a much better story than most people. Most people, like for myself, it was like a coin flip. At least you were sort of like almost born into it. So it was like you, you naturally came upon it. And I know for myself, I was the same. I, I, I started properly sporting when CJ was around and just watching him tear up and just made me realize how slow I was as a person whenever I'd watch him run and think that how, how anyone can actually be that athletic. But, but no, that's great to hear. And I guess uh, I guess we, we best talk about the Browns game, I guess. I know. I know everyone listening has probably not watched the highlights and almost pretended it didn't happen. We made Baker Mayfield look like a prime Peyton Manning. But, uh, Brian, what were your uh, thoughts about the game? Obviously, early on, we didn't look very good. And at the end, it was more garbage time that made it look like a better score, wasn't it? Yeah, well, thankfully, because of the uh, the tier restrictions in my area, we're not allowed to show live sport at work. So I actually missed the first half. So I got home. And uh, just about got, you know, I got to watch the comeback, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was game over. It was game over at half time. And, you know, once again, we're just, the defense is just putting us in a hole. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the one stat that, I mean, there were a lot of stats that made me angry about the game. Obviously, seeing Baker have four touchdowns very early on was disappointing enough. But at the end of the game, and I just saw a number of sacks in the game for the Titans in zero again. And it just comes down to how much pressure we're getting. Don't get me wrong, Cleveland have an all right offensive line, and we know what they've got Conklin over there now, and he's he's obviously you'd argue saying he's worth the money that they paid for him with, with like the product they've had out of him, but just no pressure at all towards Baker Mayfield, and never looked like getting any. Sal, what was your thoughts about it? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard not to to think at this point that J-Rob's effort to upgrade our pass rush in the offseason was an absolute and utter failure. Um, you know, you, you spend over $20 million on two guys that didn't get a single sack for you, and we're coming up on our 12th game. So, uh, or our 13th game, I should say, right? We're at, uh, we're at no, we're at 13th game, we're 8-4, four, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a terrible feeling. This was our glooming issue. Uh, leaving Kansas City last year that we needed to fix immediately. And uh, it's gotten worse. I mean, we're facing teams that have miserable offensive lines and not getting a single sack. Uh, You can allude to the Cincinnati game, for example. Um, You know, at that time, Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the league, and we weren't able to even touch him, let alone sack him. So um, it's very frustrating because if we had – our defense from last year, which was nothing to write home about either. But if we paired that defense with this one, I think the division's already wrapped up and we, we're, we're sitting pretty heading into Christmas. Um, but unfortunately, now we're going to have to claw our way in as we're used to doing. Uh, and, it, and it just stinks. It really does. This game, uh, as you alluded to, was over at half. Um, and uh, we made Baker look like the, the quarterback that all the Browns fans talk about and and talk smack about no matter how much flack he gets. And um, it was a miserable feeling. This game was over at half. Uh, They they tried to make it interesting and uh, Derrick Henry couldn't get going. And it just, it it sucks being in this feeling again, because we were really, we were on our way out once again, two big wins. This was our chance to put a stamp on this division and say, this is ours, get out of our way. And we failed miserably. Yeah, if you look at like the previous games that we'd had and you'd ask people where the victory was going to come from from them games, we've probably done it the complete opposite than most people would have expected. And I, I completely agree. Like the, the feeling, I mean, I can speak for our WhatsApp group that we had when the game was going on was just... I mean, we can be negative at the best of times, as Greg will allude to, but the way that it just... It, it's so early on, just like that game was over and it was just an embarrassment and it wasn't even like... I never want to accuse a team of not looking like they're trying, but it, it almost looked that way on defense where they just didn't want to stop him. I mean, the second touchdown, I think it was Borders was in coverage and he was just completely lost. No one, yeah, lost is the best way of describing it. He was just no one at a ball. It, it was just, yeah, it was a shambles. And uh, I guess I, I want to try and find positives from the game, but I, I don't know. Did you take anything from it, Sal, or was it one of them where? Half time, we we scored. A, obviously, we knew we could probably score a couple because they wouldn't try as much. But was there anything we took from the game that was a positive? Uh, I mean, listen, it, it, the one positive I take from almost every single game is how incredibly good this offense is. And with an offense like this, with so many playmakers, you're going to find yourself in every single game you're in, even when you're down by 31 points at halftime. Uh, were they were they taking the foot off the pedal a little bit on defense? Of course they were. You know they they don't want to they don't want to stress their defense in a game that was essentially theirs at half. But they still found a way to fight, and that is what's most important to me. Is that you know to put it in baseball terms, if you have a team that can hit home runs, you're always going to be in the game no matter what the score is. And this team hits home runs on a regular basis. Uh, so I'm I'm still confident. Um, I, I still think the defensive issues is a lack of coordination. It's not really a, a talent issue, even with guys underperforming. You can pinpoint Kevin Byard as Exhibit A. Uh, he's become one of the worst secondaries, worst safeties in football, and this is coming off of two straight years of being elite at that position. So um, it's a very unfortunate thing. But the positives I take out of out of this game is that we can stand toe-to-toe with any team because we can hit those home runs so regularly. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I was I was just having a quick look over the stats, and like you say, you, you look at it and you see Tannehill's getting close to 400 yards, throwing three touchdowns, and then Derrick Henry, yeah, he was swallowed up a little bit. But, I mean, in Corey Davison and, and in Brown, we've got two receivers that we know consistently with Tannehill are hitting 100-yard games, which I know years ago you wouldn't even – think like that would be a no. possibility for our team so like you said that is a, a big positive to take from it and there is an argument to say that if we did have last year's defense mixed with how the improvements we've seen from certain players on offense offenses come along this year like you said we could well easily have this uh group all tied up brian i don't know if you took any uh different positives from the game or were you similar thoughts where it's just almost well you got to watch the second half so i guess you didn't go at the game with so much of a a negative impact as the rest was. You just got to see the positives if there were of uh, the game. No, I got to saw. I got to see all the uh, 
the group messages though, the uh, disappointment and the the anger from a drunken Foxcroft. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the 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 thing that, that obviously we can take positives is like Sal said, we, we don't we don't give up. We don't we have this offense that will continuously score points regardless. If we can fix this defence, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And that's you know, sometimes it just does click in just in right, you know, the, how many teams get hot just before the playoffs. Hopefully this could be us. Yeah, I think the turning point of this game also to, to note was the fumble by Derrick Henry in the first half. Uh, at that point, we were down 10, and we were in a position to do what we did most of that second half, which was go down the field and score. And he fumbles that football, and they're in our, they're in our own end. And when you're down 17 nothing, you got to uh, essentially get rid of what makes us good, and that's our run game. Or, or I should say what makes us elite is that run game because that's what opens up the passing even more. And we had to completely throw that in the trash and be a complete throwing football team. And then that's what allowed them to put their foot on the pedal because we were getting three and outs at that point because we had to throw every down. Uh, and that's really where it all fell apart. And this is all very similar to the kind of situation we were in the first time around with the Colts. Uh, we got smacked in the mouth. We had to get away with from Derrick Henry. And then the snowball fell down the hill. And that's all she wrote. So uh, it's not something we're used to seeing from Derrick. He rarely fumbles. Um, and you could also blame Nate Davis a little bit because he totally blew his coverage up immediately and it was a bang, bang, smack type play. But um, that was the turning point in this game for me, for sure, indeed. Yeah, completely. Because if you actually look at the stats of the game, it's very similar. It's obviously down to the timing of when the incidents have happened. So Cleveland have obviously took advantage of the the fumble, which, like you said, I, you can probably count on one hand how many times Derrick Henry's fumbled the ball in his career. And just to say, like, we had, we were equal on both teams had the same amount of punts, basically the same amount of first down, same amount of total yards, difference of 20 between them. But it's just the timing on it. The way that they just came out and didn't show anything from the beginning, it doesn't matter how the game ends in, in a way and how what the stats show. We just knew early on from that game it was just a disaster, which we will move on from because that's what we need to do. We need to pretend this game never happened and we'll go into details of our... Uh, next opponents who hopefully fingers crossed will be a much more um, positive game to play but I wanted to spend a bit of time on our thoughts of how we think the season's gone in terms of individual players because obviously we've had a few injuries that have happened to the team which makes us think about what will potentially happen with free agency next year in terms of contracts we pick up and to me an obvious name to start with is Corey Davis has become a first round picking the draft who seemed to really, really struggle linking up with Mariotta and performing at all, who has now built a chemistry with Tannehill over two seasons, which seems to be almost a, can you not give him a contract, Brian? See, I've, I've often been in the in the corner where I'd love to keep him, but at the right price, but, you know, he's playing himself into this contract. I mean, it's probably going to cost, what, $15 million minimum. Mm. Uh, for me, I, I don't see how you can not pay him and keep Humphreys anymore. You know, I think I think I think Humphreys is finished with the Titans now. Uh, I hope he's okay, of course. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I'm all for keeping Corey now. I, I would definitely be putting him high on the must keep list. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, part a lot of people are 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 taking the stance that. You know, as you see often in the NFL, when players are due for contracts, that's when they start performing at their highest level. I personally disagree completely. I don't know if it was as much Mariota's fault that he didn't perform as it was his lack of health. I think his first three years, he just could not stay healthy. Uh, we found out in the offseason he had turf toe almost all of last year, which any wide receiver knows that greatly affects your first step off the line of scrimmage. So um, we're seeing a we're seeing a healthy Corey Davis. And I alluded to this in a tweet I made earlier today. When you pair Corey Davis with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, all three of them need the other two in order to succeed as well as they do. Okay, you need you need A.J. Brown for Corey to take some of the coverage off. Corey, uh, A.J. needs Corey to take some of the coverage off. And if you don't have dual threats in the passing game, that greatly decreases your chance of being effective while running the ball, even with a guy like Derrick Henry. So, you know, we've been a team that wants to build off a of continuity while we typically keep these guys around that have been with our team long. Um, you got to keep them. You got to keep them. And Ryan Tannehill finally has some chemistry with him. 
and uh, you want him to continue to succeed. Uh, so if the number's 15 million, I will say it's going to be very difficult, I believe, because I don't think J-Rob wants to spend that kind of money, especially with some other contracts we're going to have to look into. Salary cap is going to decrease next year. There's a lot of variables involved. Um, but if it can be financially fixed to where he stays in this, on this team, you got to do it. And I don't even think it's a judgment call at this point. No, I agree. And I, uh, following on from what you said about how they all assist each other, I think Corey Davis, when it comes to blocking, has been a revelation the way that's not half the time when you see Derek Henry making these unbelievable plays, half the time it's Corey Davis down the field that's making the big blocks for him as well. And that's how they all link in. And obviously we've had a couple of injuries, obviously, with, with Brown recently and others who uh, are in a contract sort of situation. And what people thought, obviously, Clowney's had his uh, surgery now and he was a one-year contract. Can you see any way in which the Titans feel like they need to give him another year? I don't. And it's mostly because of the fact that from an outside standpoint, looking in, he does he just didn't seem to invest in his team. Um, and it can go just as far beyond to his lack of emotion. I mean, you watch this guy's film from last year at Seattle, and he just seems so enthusiastic being on that football field every single week. And then you see him with us and he just he doesn't engage with his teammates on the sideline very much. Uh, he just doesn't see he didn't seem like he, he he wanted to be here. And John Robinson, I think, sees that. And you, you pair that up with the fact that he was non-existent, really, stat sheet wise, other than pressures, which and realistically we saw didn't make much of an impact because we have one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, I, I think he, that companionship with him and us is unfortunately closed. I was as excited as anyone. I think I thought it was the biggest free agent signing we've had in 20 years. And uh, it just didn't pan out the way we, we hoped. Um, if it happens, I won't be upset. I mean, we know the upside with Clown and we know what he's capable of, but I don't think he deserves it, especially for the price tag he's going to ask for. But that's half the thing I thought with Clowney is that he's on another year where a team's given him a chance to basically prove that you've you've got the ability that a lot of people say he has, but it's been a long time since we've seen it. How much of a, a pay cut is he willing to take as a prove it to me contract? Which you've got to feel at some point teams are just going to say you're not worth a thirteen million pound one year contract because you haven't had a sack in eighteen months, twenty four. Months and to me, that's the big issue with him. It's like if he's willing to come down on price, there's so much of potential upside that yeah. you can see it working. But then at the same time, I feel there's so many issues going on with the defense, especially the way it's being coached at the moment. That unless we're going to get some uh, some better, I don't know, coordinating on the defense anyway, will we actually see a positive from Clowney in the next year? He's still got to get over his operation. Yeah, was it a pectoral? Was it pectoral surgery? I believe so. I mean. Uh... I thought it had something to do with his knee, but I could be mistaken. Oh. I could be mistaken. I, I could be mixed up with all the other injuries that we're getting yeah. from the Titans at the moment. But it's one of them. It's it's unless he's gonna take a huge pay cut and then in the season where we've argued that Curry Davis now deserves money, and then you've got other people like I believe Johnny Smith's in the same situation and Ferkser as well. So tight end wise are in that situation. I mean, the one player I saw on the list who I think has to get one is Blazing Game. Because he gets paid hardly anything. But in terms of what he's done for this team, and I know I'm biased towards the position, but to me, he's he's an automatic. And then we've got, what, Desmond King, who has he shown yeah. enough so far to feel like, yeah, we definitely we need to hold on to this guy. Oh, again, I think what you said, it comes down to coordination. This team is not, I mean, Kevin Byard alludes to it every single week, which I'm shocked by because he's not that kind of guy. But he just says, that we're not being led correctly. We always seem to be have a miscommunication. And if that is the reason, then, you know, you can't put players' performance into the equation of whether or not they should be signed. We've seen Desmond King be uh, an all-pro type cornerback. He has the stats to prove it. And I still think he's holding his own, even with the lack of coordination. And it's very appealing to me that there could be a, a, a season next year that has him um, Corey Day or uh, Dory Jackson and uh, Kristen Fulton, and that that's an exciting three that you could build off of. I don't see Malcolm Butler returning next year, uh, even with the contract tie that we still have. There is an out. I think we will take that out, um, and that will free up some money as well. But we need a coordinator. That's first and foremost, absolutely one hundred and ten percent. And I think everything will fall into place. I still hold out hope for this year, of course, but mm -hmm. coordinator's not coming this year, and we desperately need one. 
Yeah, I'm assuming you're on the same uh, opinion, Brian, with regards to where, uh, obviously, we, we talk every week about how we need that that coordinate coming in, but f- for you, in terms of sort of importance of the position, do you think Desmond King is a must? And we'll get into Adore Jackson because, I mean, we've seen sightings of him now, but, I mean, he's in a similar position now where hopefully he can come in and start making an impact this year. No, uh, I, I don't think I don't think uh, Desmond King is a must. Um I, don't get me wrong. I would like to keep him. I do. I do rate him. I don't think he's a must like he like Sal said there about Butler. Obviously, if we if we do cut Butler, that that could free up money for King. Uh, obviously, Adori is must keep for me if he's healthy. Um, John, who we we need to keep John. Who. Oh, we, there's just it's, unfortunately somebody's going to get cut who we don't want to get cut because there's too many like Gio Brown possibly. Depend on what the money is, because you know he's probably going to he's probably going to de- demand decent money now, John. And I mean, again, he's probably been one of our better players, but he's still fallen off a lot this year. I think J- John Robinson could think he's he's very replaceable. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna throw a scapegoat in there to be the one that's released that we all feel shouldn't be. Jayon Brown is the guy. Um, he's been very good for his, his, where he was drafted. He's overperformed everyone's expectations uh, as a linebacker. I, I, I think he's a ball hawk. Um, but the, there's just too much money that's going to have to get spread around. And I, I think he might be the one that falls short there. And someone will definitely pay overpay to have a guy like him in their roster. I had some theory um, kind of dwelling in my head early today i didn't even share on or on twitter but i'd love both your your thoughts on it um i think there is a slim slim possibility uh that uh, john robinson would be open to hear potential talks for a possible trade for kevin byard i don't think necessarily it would happen but i think if there was someone out there that would offer more draft capital in a year where I think he's going to probably want to take the stance of building even more in the draft since we failed so miserably as it stands right now with this year's draft, I think he would be open to listening. Again, it's it's a very hot take, but I, I think because he's just performed well, well beyond even everyone's worst nightmares, and whether it be a coordinator problem or not, I, I think he would be I, I think he would be willing to hear offers, especially with how Monty Hooker has been playing relatively well this season for a fraction of the cost. Personally, I could see it. It's not one of them where if, if, it, if it happened, it wouldn't be one of them where I'd be completely shocked by it. Last year, completely. I, I think there's no question on the matter. But I agree with, with Bayard. It's, I, like we've been saying, it's coordination, but also he seems a little bit off the pace. And I don't know where it's come from, and it, it's all well and good saying that the whole defense is playing badly, but I don't think there's anyone really, with the exception of maybe Simmons, who on that defense I'd be completely shocked if they got traded away or if something happened. Because I mean, we're the we're the worst team on third down almost historically in terms of how poor they've performed, which is why I was thinking with um, with Brown in the middle that there might be potential that they might let him go just because of the numbers. It depends if they're a numbers person, really, or if they're a performance person. But, I, I mean, I could see I could see something happening with Kevin, and there's definitely an argument to say that we need to build up on draft capital because, yeah, this season has been a complete, well, unless Wilson turns out to be a all-pro for the next 10 years, it's been a, a, a huge disappointment. And it's one of them, I think if it happened, I wouldn't be shocked. And actually, I probably wouldn't be that disappointed I think it's uh, you've got to get value for for what you can, and if he has another stinker of a year, it's two years on the bounce. Everyone forgets about his back-to-back years of leading on interceptions. I feel like that'll be gone with, and it's one of them where he ends up probably just getting released, or just similar to happen with Casey, and he goes for like a sixth rounder somewhere just to free up some money. So personally, I, I could see it happening, and I'm, again, I don't think I'd be too disappointed if it happens. Um, Brian, you're probably I don't know, you're quite bad. Are you, are you similar thinking that you could see it happen? Well, it's actually something that I've never really thought about, uh, but it's it's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't actually shock me 
uh, it would make a lot of sense to be honest because we could probably sell quite high on him still and yeah it, is it is he regressing or is it is it the scheme i mean i personally think it is the scheme i think it's the coordination i 100% sell there i think talent doesn't just turn sour like that overnight it just it does doesn't not 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 at his age uh, I know he just got paid, but he doesn't seem like the type of guy who just down tools. Um, yeah, I mean, what would you get for Kevin Byron, though? I mean, let's be honest, would you get a second? Uh, I, I think possibly a second. I think a second right now, maybe, I mean, it, it's a shame because he's so worth a first from what we've seen at his peak, which he really shouldn't have been hitting his peak yet. He's still so young. Um, but he's just been, the issue I have with him is even beyond the coordination factor, you watch his film and he just seems to be going out of his way to find the most vacant areas of the field to where there's little to no impact he could possibly make. And it's as if he's got like the yips and he just wants no, you know, he, he you'd even see him on a few plays against the first game on the Colts where he would be backpedaling on a fourth down when they put in, uh, what's his name, the backup, uh, Brissett, to do a sneak, and he just let him come right to him. And there was three Titans behind him. I mean, he's just not that aggressor that we're used to seeing, and, it, and it's scary because he's getting paid to be an all-pro safety, and he's one of the worst defenders in the league right now. So it's, uh, you know, if you asked me before the trade deadline, I might have said, hey, we might still get a first-round pick for him because it's only been a couple weeks now. But a full year under his belt with this low production, and I think you know he'd be only worth a second at the at the moment. And I, I thinking about it further, I don't think I'd give up on him for a second. So we'll have to let that play out. Let's hope he returns to his normal form. But uh, it's a scary thing to think about with thirty-one. He's uh he's just not himself. Now, if we can if we can get Bill O'Brien to move to a new team, we might be able to get a decent trade out of him if we're lucky. He'll end up sending us a couple of first rounders for him, no doubt. Yeah. No matter how he's been playing. Um, was was there any other players this year that anyone's been sort of surprised by on, on either side of the ball in terms of performance? I mean, Kern's been his normal self. He'll he'll never change. He's he's the best punter in the league. And Gostowski, we've talked about every single week. I'm really hoping to just have a week without him. Um, but is is there any sort of players for every that you think of where you've uh, coming into the season you're almost thinking you've got really high expectations of them or really low expectations and they've over or under exceeded? Yeah, the only other guy I would uh, bring into that equation and it would be in a positive light would be uh, Nate Davis. Uh, he he had a year last year that was nothing to write home about. He started to turn it on at the end of the at the end of the season, but he you know as a guy that we drafted fairly high. I didn't see the leaps and bounds or the strides I was expecting. And now he's really settled in there nicely at that guard spot. Uh, and he's performed really, really well with the exception of a few small instances. So I was very surprised by him. Um, you can make an argument that Daquan Jones hasn't been uh, as productive as the money he's getting paid, even though it's not incredibly high. It's still fairly good money for a tackle. Um, and he just hasn't been applying that much pressure to pair with Jeff Simmons because Jeff Simmons is so great that he's getting that pressure with really no help in the inside. And it's just blows my, you know, it, it gets me so excited to think how good we could be with that interior pressure. If you paired a guy next to him, like possibly, you know, another year with Casey. And I said it a hundred times. I don't understand why we didn't keep Casey and spend an extra million or two and release Daquan Jones. But it's too late for that discussion at this point, but I've been very happy with, with Nate Davis and a little disappointed with Daquan Jones. Yeah. And any, any names sort of spring to mind with you, Brian? Yeah, I've got, uh, I was going to say Nate Davis as, as someone who's, who's actually surprised me. Um, at the beginning of the year, our first podcast of the year, we, we did a section of our breakout Titan players. And I was, uh, I was all in on Jeff Simmons. I think he's proved me right. Uh, I think he's absolutely our best player on both sides of the ball, to be totally honest. Uh, he's the one true elite potential person we have, in my opinion. Uh, and the guy who's really disappointed me more than anyone, apart from, obviously, the guys we mentioned, is Rashawn Evans. I, he's, 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 a really, he's a really good player. But he's just been... He's just sucked in coverage, hasn't he? 
Yeah, he's been very tough to watch. And uh, they alluded to him being some sort of help with the pass rush. And that hasn't seemed to make much of an effect because since it's been put into place, we still have not gotten a sack. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I have his picture signed up on my wall for a reason. You know, I was doing backflips on draft night. I never thought there was a chance in hell we were going to get him. And when he fell into our lap, I was just so excited. And he had a very good, very, very good rookie year. And this just kind of reasserts our our notion that it really is a coordination problem. And, uh, you know, that's the only thing we should be hanging our hat on going into the offseason, no matter how this season ends up, is that we are definitely going to get a coordinator. It goes without saying. And the light could very well be bright at the end of this tunnel. And we could be seeing all of our players that we had such high hopes for um, start progressing in the right direction once again. So that's the positive to this situation. Yeah, hopefully so. Because I, I had Howard Landry as my uh, sort of, I thought, you know what, we brought in Clowney. We've got Simmons. There's no way they're going to be able to cover everyone. And Landry's just going to have one of them years. And it just hasn't happened. But that's just, like we said, you could almost say that the whole defense of it in Simmons has been the answer of just what's disappointed us the most. But I guess we need to... Uh, we need we need to we need to look forward. Obviously, we're we're just going to jump into uh, this Sunday's game, which hopefully is going to be a much more positive game than previous. But just while we've got yourself, in terms of how the season's gone and going forward, looking at potential playoffs, and never saying it's too early to start thinking about that. How how, how do you feel the season's been as a whole, considering the the, the rate of coordination on defense, but also how other teams have performed? Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. I really you, you take a look at it from the outside, not even being a Titan fan. The fact that this team's eight and four with as miserable of a defense as we have, it's it's astonishing. It really you you, you would you would think that variable would be in discussion for coach of the year. I mean, this the, the fact that we've beaten teams of. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, um, the Baltimore Ravens, and even the Indianapolis Colts with a defense that's just so underperforming and just has such a lack of fear to any offense is amazing. Um, uh, the flip side of that, though, it's incredibly unfortunate because we could be in the, in the discussions with the Kansas City Chiefs and the, Balt- or the Pittsburgh Steelers of the world because our offense is just so talented that you pair that with just an average defense – and I don't see anyone stopping us. I just don't. And that's the thing that's going to haunt me if this season doesn't turn out the way it is. Because we have like a window right now of about three to four years of where all our stars are aligned right now with the players on offense that we're going to need and have. And this was a year where we, we really thought we were destined for the Super Bowl. And the moves we made in the offseason to better our chances were complete failures. As of this moment, the draft was a complete failure. And we're just – we could possibly – be chipping off a year of that of that time frame. I'm still optimistic that we can get it together, but that's the flip side. It's a it's a it's a double edged sword. It's a bittersweet situation. Um, but eight and four. If you handed me a piece of paper and said sign here, you'll be eight and four going into this game against the Jags. I'd sign every single time. Brian, I think you're probably thinking similar, aren't you? I think when we done our predictions at the start. I was I was going to get together the statistics to see where we actually would have been based on our predictions, but I didn't want to do it in case it was either overly too bad based on how negative we can be when we were predicting games. Yeah, I, I can't actually uh, remember what I said at the start of the season, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, they snapped your hand off for eight and four. Um, well, I have a slight theory that, obviously, this year the draft has been a disaster, pretty much. But Phil, you know, Fulton's missed a lot of time through injury. Uh, Obviously, the big fella, uh, the, the tackle, I can't remember his name at the top, off the top of my head. Um, Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. He's That's massive. He's not big. He's <laughs> massive. He's a monster. He's bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Obviously, we've got this this window that Sal's just touched on. Um, that's got to be that's shortening. So, we could, we could possibly hit next year's draft. Hit a couple. But we could have these two guys that we got this year, or the, the three guys we got this year, who could all be second-year impact players. So we could actually kick on a lot next year. That's my little the theory that I'm clinging to. Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot of potential in the first two guys we take. We took. I mean, Fulton was projected as a first-round pick. If we'd have took him in the first round, people would have been happier, which is strange. I think too much 
stock is put into where people were drafted. I was just going to say that sums up with Corey Davis how his years have been. Uh, he's he's permanently just been. He was a first round pick in a wide receiver position. It's like he has to succeed, which has been the fall of so many receivers in the past. Yeah, uh, Fulton's, Fulton's the one guy I'm going to be keen on next year. It's very, very important that he uh, turns a, a new leaf. Um, obviously, there's still a possibility he could uh, impact this season. Um, but, you know, it's on, he wasn't doing phenomenally well in the beginning before he got hurt. It's, it's, it's no secret. He's young. He's a rookie. There's plenty of room for growth. Um, he was a stud at LSU. I, I think there's a very good chance he could be a very, very good cornerback in this league. But he's a guy that's really going to have to step up, especially if uh, Malcolm, but- Malcolm Butler does exit this year. Uh, that's going to be him. He's going to have to be the man that steps up. And uh, you're right. Wilson could be impactful next year. I mean, I my money would be on no, unfortunately, with all this craziness that's going on with him and how low on the depth chart he was, even when healthy. <clears throat> but um, we got to hit with this draft, regardless of how this season ends. It's it's imperative that we hit some home runs this next draft, so that way we could pair that with a good offseason of free agency and um, elevate this team even higher than they are. Yeah, I feel like with Wilson, it was almost like everyone knew that the Titans needed a tackle and we needed a pass rush, and they must have just looked at the draft and thought, you know, the pass rush isn't there, but we don't know how long they were looking at Clowney for. But they must have felt like there were options there. And Wilson just felt when they felt like they had to take a gambling. But I just feel like he's got too much in outside of football and everything else. He either needs a good, a good talking to by a senior figure in the offseason. But I, I agree with you. I think as much as he looks physically like he could play the sport and do well, there's, he just doesn't seem to be showing any signs of being anything positive for us, sadly, in the future. But... Bit closer to the next season for the future. We've got a, a game against our, our, I'll call them our friends, but our local uh, divisional team, the Jags, who are currently, I believe, uh, one and ten. Although I did once see that on the NFL Network, they got it wrong and they said they were uh, ten and one and on a ten-game win streak. They're very much the opposite to that. I can confirm. Um, how are we feeling towards the game? Obviously, Sal, it's a uh, it's a game that everyone always looks forward to and everyone misses like the CJ2K versus Jones-Drew games and it's gone back for years. I, I'm I'm assuming you're expecting a, a big turnaround in terms of performance from the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Vegas has it as a pretty much blowout on the road. They got Titans giving nine and a half points. If I'm a betting man with the way this team's been playing defensively, I'm putting the house on Jacksonville getting almost 10 points. But uh, I'm not, I would never do such a thing. I would never root for my team to only win by a small margin. Uh, but this is a perfect game to get back on the right track. These are our little brothers. They always have been. They probably always will be. Um, you know, Mike Lennon's been playing fairly well, all things considered. I wouldn't sleep on him, especially with the secondary woes that we have. Um, but I foresee Derrick Henry to have a, another very impactful game. And it's imperative that we take care of business for this week and next week, get to 10 and four, and then go into an incredibly important matchup in Green Bay. But this is a good game to start things off back in the right direction. Yeah, Brian, what are, you, what are your thoughts towards the uh, game? I know, I know I've, I've been, dare I say, negative towards my thoughts about the game. I mean, I'm a fantasy owner and I own James Robinson, who I think has had an unbelievable season for a rookie. And just the way I saw our, our defense performing, I was so worried that we just wouldn't be able to make any stops against any team, let alone a team that's one and ten. But Brian, hopefully you can make me sound like the negative one this week and spring some uh, info as to how we'll defeat them. Yeah, well, see, as as bad as last week was, it could also serve as a good thing for us to get to you know put some boots up asses. Uh, I think we're going to come out with a point to prove. I think Vrabel's going to have given them all a good rocket. rocket. And I can't see how, they, if, if our offence 75% turns up, I can't see how they keep up with us. I refuse to think that this team will lose to Mike Glennon. I refuse. Although I've seen them lose to bad quarterbacks in the past. I don't think this team is it. I can see us winning. I think nine and a half points, like Sal said, is a bit. It's it's too much. Uh, it's actually only seven and a half in England, uh, which I still think is too much. 
I would I wouldn't be surprised if we did completely blow them out. But yeah, I think I think they're a better team than the record suggests and I think we'll get it done, but I think it'll be a close one. I think the Jags will cover. It's 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 I think it's just because of the rivalry alone that if you take if you completely take out the situation our record against their record. We know the games always end up a little bit closer than they should be. And I mean, I'm a big fan of Miles Jack, who I know I think recently has been moved more towards middle linebacker, where he's been outside for a lot of the season. So I'll be interested to see how he matches up if he's getting a lot of uh, the runs of Derek Henry coming his way. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to have to pick who's going to be the victim on the Jags defense, who's going to get stiff-armed into the sideline, because someone, someone's got to do it. And, uh, would we be surprised if there was another 99-yarder from from Derek just to make us all forget about what happened with Cleveland? But like I said, I'm going into the game thinking that it's one of them where we should completely blow them out and destroy them. But defensively, I'm just I'm I think until we get that coordinator, I've now lost that little bit of yeah, let's just completely destroy them. If we lose to Glennon, based on the fact that we've just made Baker Mayfield look like the most elite quarterback there is, then they're going to have to be some serious talks with that defence because, yeah, we can't be having that going into uh, going into what could be a good player run. And I agree with what you said, Sal, where I really want to get to that 10-win margin. Once we've passed nine, I'm happy then. we can we, if, it's, if it's 10 and six or whatever fishes, I just need to surpass nine. Once we pass the number, I'll be happy. And if we can get to nine on the Jags and then follow on from that, I'll be more than happy. Is is there is there any is there any concerns with the Jags then? So they've got Glennon and Robinson. Did did they offer much? Of, I mean, looking back to the the game we had against them this year, you could argue that was closer than it should have been. Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the thing with us is the most positive light is that uh, we just keep scoring no matter what, you know. And you have to assume. Uh, because the thing about this defense, as bad as it's been, every once in a while they'll they'll play like better than last year in a sense. Okay, we saw that with the Buffalo game. We saw that with the second go round with the Colts, with the Bears. And I mean, um, these were two of those three teams were very good offenses, and we played dom- damn near close to dominant defense. So they surprise us sometimes. This could be one of those games where we get back on our horse of thinking, hey, we can make, we could really, you know become that complete team that we all hoped. Um, and this could be one of those games. I mean, this they're 1-11. They're, they're better than 1-11 team in my eyes, but they're still 1-11. They still, in reality, want to lose as many games as they can because I think they want Justin Fields from Ohio State, uh, which would not be good for us in any way. But I think in the back of their minds, like the Jets, uh, they're going to do the little things they can to continue to lose because their season is done. Um, but uh, you can't sleep on them. It's a division game. It's on the road. And given, <clears throat> at least in America, almost 10 points is, is baffling to me. But again, I'm not going to be that guy who says, screw it. I'm going to put, you know, a couple, couple bucks on the, the Jags getting almost two scores. So we'll see. Can I uh, dare ask you for what you think the score will actually be for anyone listening at home who wants to put a bet on? <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say um, that this will be a, a, a game where we bounce back, where all the fans are back on board. I think we'll win by about 17. So I'll say the final score will be 34 to 17, Tennessee. Nice, Brian. Hopefully you're thinking a similar sort of uh, scoreline. I see Brian's fell for the rookie mistake on uh, Skype right now, being on mute. <laughs> Leaving him so on lead it. <laughs> we'll, we'll suddenly hear him all of a sudden. Wait, wait. It, it, it's going to happen. Brian, you there? Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> <Sorry, Brian. laughs> I'm going it's to awesome. go. We've only been doing this a couple of seasons. 24 to 31. Titans. Another another nail biter. I can't say I would be surprised. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm leaning towards one of them where it's gonna be something like 17-14 Gostowski last second walk-off kick. That sort of game, which no one ever wants, but that's what happens every single time. Well, don't forget, the first time around, we got very lucky by a batted ball from Harold Landry. They were driving down that field, Jacksonville. They were going to win that game. And Harold Landry put his hands up in the air. Well, I'm sorry, no, it was Jeffrey Simmons that batted the ball up in the air, and Harold Landry came down with it for an interception, and they had no timeouts left. But that game could have been very different if our best player on the team did not once again – make an impactful play. So 
and that was at home. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you just never know, unfortunately. No. Well, here at the Transatlantic Titans podcast, we are always known for being charitable, and we will listen to anyone's opinion on football, especially if it's regarding the Titans. So we felt like being a bit more charitable and allowing someone from the, the Jaguars fan base to uh, come on and speak to us. So uh, Adam, earlier on this week, had a talk with Pat in a segment that I'm going to stop calling Pat Chat if we're going to get him on twice a year every single season. Um, but I'll hand over to you, Adam, if you want to uh, introduce us to uh, Pat and we'll get the, the opinion of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, joining us now on the Transatlantic Titans podcast. I don't know why I always say that. If you've got this far in the podcast, you probably know the name of it. Um, so joining us now on the podcast is, for his second appearance, um, Jags fan, long snapper podcast co-host, Patrick Jackson. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, second appearance, that's what about 10% of our roster will be making against you on Sunday. <laughs> well, obviously, let's hope so. I was thinking, I was thinking more so, more so thinking two appearances, only one win. I mean, you pretty much do do more than what the Jags are on the field for sure. Quite, quite. Yeah, it was. It's interesting because last time we talked, it must have been between weeks one and two, right? And we'd come so, off a surprise win, and suddenly I wasn't sure what to make of us. Now I'm very sure what to make of us. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing really throwing this game into doubt is how you guys played against the Browns. And we've run a lot of teams fairly close and managed to lose to maintain the draft pick. Um, we'll be hoping for the same against you. And I just I can't see you being that bad two games in a row. I can't see Derek Henry looking that off his normal pace two games in a row. So, yeah, we lose. Hopefully we can keep it respectable. And, yeah maintain the uh, second in the draft I don't think the issue is so much Derek Henry being off the pace it's it's the Titans defense being off the pace so with that with that in mind um the Jags are continuing with Mike Glennon um and he is supposedly the best placed person to score lots of points against um an inconsistent defense well firstly it's been it was um, thinking back to week two, it seems a long time ago. Um, the one and O Jags um, had Gardner Minshew. You've gone through yeah, Jake Luton. <laughs> yeah, Jake Luton. We saw um, he's gone. Um, it's now Mike Glennon. What What are they doing? Why Mike Glennon, Pat? I mean, the direct quote from the head coach is, "He gives us the best chance to win." He never says what he gives us the best chance to win, and I assume it's what he gives Trevor? us to win is the yeah, well, the the second round draft pick. Uh, sorry, the second <laughs> pick in the first round of the next year's draft, which will probably be uh, Justin Fields, I guess. But you know, we'll see. There's still the faint hope that the Jets are really sold on Sam Darnold. Faint hope. <laughs> I'm clutching at that straw, and I'm going to keep clutching at it. Or that um, the Jets are bad enough to end up winning a game. That might happen too. Yeah, well, now they've got rid of Greggy, maybe, maybe. Um, but no, I think um, if I was in charge, I'd either go back to Luton when he, sorry, go back to Minshew when he's fully fit, or never have dropped Luton in the first place because Luton looked awful against the Steelers. But it's the Steelers; he had people in his face immediately the majority of the time, and I don't think Glennon would have looked that much better against the Steelers. People keep saying, oh, you know, Glennon throws a better ball. He can occasionally hit Chark downfield for a nice 40-yarder. But two two interceptions, a fumble and a safety in our last game. We didn't lose to a good Vikings side. We lost because we turned the ball over too much. And um, unexpectedly, the second half of the season has been the defence keeping us close in games and the offence not being able to get it over the line rather than just the defence being patient folding, despite the fact that it's made up of a lot of um, fairly inexperienced players. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting in the next game as well. On, on the plus side for you, they, the, the Jags are in a lot of games that they're, they're playing at the moment and they might be careless enough to get over the line <laughs> in one of them, so it's, <laughs> it's more than possible. Um, I don't, I just... Going back to Glennon, um, if if I'm one and eleven at this stage of the season, I don't, I just don't see you. You know what you've got with Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon's not going to be the future of the franchise, I assume. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm doing a disservice. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. But I feel I'm going to make you repeat yourself. So uh, let, let's move on to a more positive part of your season, and that's um, Jim Robinson from Neighbours. 
looking very good. Yeah, it's nice to have a running back who can spot a gap and run through that gap. Because as we saw from uh, Fournette at the book, he tends to just run straight at the arse of the first man in front of him unless that moves out of the way and makes him a gap. Um, but there's been an interesting debate around Jaguars camp, which is, would we have a better running back stable if we'd kept him on his rookie contract and just dropped him to RB2 and had James Robinson as RB1? And I'd argue he would, because our second highest running back in terms of rushing yards is Chris Thompson with 20, and we're in week 13. So it's fair to say that Fournette's 271 RB2 rushing yards slightly eclipses those 20 from James Robinson, sorry, from um, <laughs> Chris Thompson. Now, we have got Chenault and Minja, who both rushed for more yards than any of the rest of our running backs table. So it's not like we're devoid of that, but... Robinson looks like a long-term option that we can build around if you trust the front office to pick a quarterback. And, you know, we've got loads of history picking good quarterbacks, so I've no reason to be uh, pessimistic about that future. <laughs> um, other other weapons on offense that um, have looked... I mean, I think some of the Jacksonville receiving core... Um, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with it, happy with. I'm a big fan of of DJ Chark. Um, Chenault as a as a rookie has looked really good. Hasn't played every game. Um, he's had a couple of knocks, hasn't he? But um, you'd you'd be hoping he'd stick around. Um, as a as a as a Titans fan, um, there are weapons that can do a damage to our defense. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, DJ Chalk's been fairly quiet the last couple of weeks, but Colin Johnson has stepped up in a massive way. He was like a fifth, sixth round draft pick. And I thought he was just a kind of big bodied, almost tight end type wide receiver. He'll do a lot of kind of short slants on uh, picking up first downs when you've made a bit of ground, be a good red zone target. But he's actually shown his deep roots are quite good and he can get up over people and make big spectacular catches like he did against um, the Vikings last week. So He's chipping in very nicely. Keelan Cole has been much more consistent than anyone expected this season. And Chris Conley fumbled 25% of his snaps in the last game. So we don't talk about that. <laughs> can, can we? Okay. I mean, he only had four snaps. So it wasn't that detrimental, but it's just it's not the sort of thing you want to be turning to for your, um, you know, in your time of need. The one that positive. rate's not sustainable. Uh, if you if you have 50 snaps, that's not going to be pretty. It doesn't matter how nice a man you are. If that's what you're delivering, your uh, sporting career is going to be cut short. But on the plus side, we got, I think, 10 catches from tight ends in our last game, which is the most we've used the tight ends in about a decade. So Eifert and O'Shaughnessy starting to show out. And I think that's down to um, Glennon having better kind of read of the different options he's got available on the field than either of the two uh, young up-and-coming quarterbacks, which you'd expect. Yeah, sure. Um, the tight end position, it, it always felt that um, Mercedes Lewis would just damage us every year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I want a new face to replace him um, to be to be that next guy. Um, but maybe, maybe there'll be one. Um, on the other side of the ball, Pat, um, can I mean it, it might come down to that. I don't know. It might come down to the Jags' defense getting in a couple of stops or a couple of turnovers when needed. Can they do that? We've looked better against the run than I ever expected at the start of the season, and we've recruited to be improving that area. So it maybe shouldn't be a surprise. Um, we kept Dalvin Cook fairly quiet. I mean, he went for 120 yards, but he did it on 32 carries, so it was less than four yards a carry. It's not horrific. He didn't get any touchdowns. He didn't bust out anything massive that I remember. So we're not terrible on the ground. Our biggest weakness seems to match up with your current biggest um, weakness in offense, which is kind of deep threat, fast sort of receivers. And that's largely due to injury, I think, on your part, because it wasn't a weakness I would have identified at the start of the season. But... AJ Brown with a slightly dicky ankle, Adam Humphreys out, mm. you know, maybe Corey Davis filling it in. Our cornerbacks, we have injuries, we have very young patchwork, what's left over, and we had Luke Bark who got absolutely worked over by Thielen and Jefferson. And when you put a undrafted rookie up against Adam Thielen and the first round wide receiver draft pick, you get what you expect in that scenario. And you know. Greg, I think he's underestimating Batson. 
don't you? Underestimating Batson, possibly Raymond as well. Uh, we haven't seen a lot from Raymond in recent weeks, but he's definitely got that deep threat. We saw that in Baltimore in playoffs yeah. last year. Arthur Smith will have noticed those comments. They'll be pinned up in the yeah, in the locker room. Um, yeah, and it's fair that that corner of the left corner of the end zone grab from Batson was very impressive on there. Sunday, but we haven't seen that much from him. It's uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, this is always uh, a game where Derek Henry normally has a bit of a field day, especially later when we play you guys later in the season. It feels you said you're better against the run, but are you better against Derek Henry when he's running downfield? We're missing is, is anybody to be fair. <laughs> How are you going to stop that? I mean, we're missing Quincy Williams, who did a good job against Henry one of the games last season. Um, he's a bit of a loose cannon, I guess, in that he's this you know, second-year rookie. And his pass coverage is pretty weak, which has kept him on the sidelines a lot. Um, but he's a seeking missile when it comes to the run game. So that's the sort of thing we want to see, you know. And Joe Sherbert was the biggest recruitment. And aside from getting skinned by Ryan Fitzpatrick, which we don't talk about, he's been generally solid this season. So the most important thing is he's freed Miles Jack to switch from outside to middle linebacker and that's been a real improvement across the defense as a whole um we had a guy show out really well in the last game called joe giles harris who's a name i'd never heard of but came in did a really good job um linebacker with a nice 69 percent of snaps and a lot of good tackling in there so when you see people you haven't seen before coming into games and making positive plays and not making mistakes that's a sign that bodes well keep that going I think that's something we've uh, we've had to see quite a bit with the injuries on the defensive side and outside too. Is players sort of stepping up that next man up men- mentality that that we've adopted quite well at times this year until one of those goes and gets banned for uh, treading on a, on a player. But yeah, but, uh, and, yeah, and and another in a in the secondary just blows a blows yeah. the coverage completely. But you, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's consistency, isn't it? And hopefully, yeah. you know, players the more they play the the more they'll find that, but you're seeing seeing flashes, which is what you want. Yeah, um, that's the thing with our defence as well, is it's a bit tight as Bramble. It's 98% of the time good, but the 2% of the time is just horrific, <laughs> and the horrificness costs you games. <laughs> Never thought we'd get a Titus Bramble mention, but there we go. Um, if It may not be the most relevant relevant thing, um, unless you're going to be bullish and predict a Jags win, but um, give us a, a score guess for Sunday. Let's go 35 Titans, 24 Jags. All right, I'll take it, obviously. I'd take 9-6, I'm not going to lie. In fact, I'd rather <laughs> it's 9-6. <laughs> I just want to see good defensive football. I'd happily see the offense not, yeah. not go as crazy if it's just, just the defense getting people off the field. You just, oh, the grass is always green. You always miss what you don't have. I know, I know. Bring back 2019 for many right. reasons. Um, thanks, thanks for coming on and and doing that, Pat. I won't I won't say to you what I said to most people we've had on the last few weeks, and that we'll do it again in the playoffs. Um, but <laughs> hopefully, we can we could do it again in the off season or in 2021 when um, the world will be a better place. Hopefully, I keep saying hopefully. Um, that's all we've got at the moment, isn't it? Um, following these teams, but there we go. Right, yeah. Thanks again. Um, where can well, where can people catch you if they're interested in what you've got to say on Twitter? And they should be. I mean, the best place to hear stuff from me on Twitter is probably at LongSnapPod. Otherwise, uh, at Rateus underscore Johansson is the personal account. Which, that's a lot more on there than on the LongSnapper podcast. Oh, yeah. The, the, sure. the Longsnap pod just links to some voice stuff. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, we'll uh, appreciate that. We'll catch you, catch you again soon. Yeah, pleasure chatting, gents. Well, Pat's on the side of a Titans victory, which you love to hear. Um, I mean, Jaguars fans can't predict anything else, can they? The only thing they can predict is who's going to come out worse, them or the Jets, for uh, tanking for Trevor. But um, So hopefully it can be a positive Sunday and we don't have to all be like Adam where we drink ourselves into pretending the game never happened. And we'll, we'll, we'll end the podcast as we always do in amazing probably food related non-titans related talk and brian do you have some positive non-titans related or are we in the dreaded negative we're in the dreaded negative as usual people who stand in the queue 
in the supermarkets or in just general stores. Often in the pajamas, and I want to buy one of every single scratch card that the shop has to offer. You know, it always seems to happen when you're in a rush. Don't be a dick. Don't buy scratch cards. <laughs> so, simply, if you're non-trading related, is people who buy scratch cards. So <laughs> people who buy every scratch card. Ah, okay, okay, okay. That, I mean, that does make sense. Can I have a number four? Can I have two number sixes? Those guys. Buy a scratch card by all means. Don't buy every scratch card. <laughs> there's plenty of those by me. <laughs> I was gonna say for the northwest, I know there's tons of them, and a lot of people like that as well. Especially the pajamas part. Sadly, there's far too many people who refuse to get dressed when they go out. And mine sort of follows on from yours, so I'll sort of add on that. My mine non times was um, I, I I dared do a little bit of Christmas shopping at the weekend, and mine was very very brief because I hate Christmas shopping. It's 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 just the worst. But I went to um, I went into a lint store to pick up some uh, chocolates for some of the people at work and stuff. And there was a big queue for it, as you expect. There's always queues for Christmas shopping. But in front of, well, basically in the store, you're only allowed six people in there at one time. Perfectly fine. I get why they're doing that. We don't want to spread the disease. That's perfectly fine. My issue was there was a family of six in front of me, of which I heard four say to each other when they turned and looked at each other, of which it was a family of six saying. Oh, I'm not getting anything. I've done all my like chocolate stuff for Christmas, so I'm not actually buying anything. And then the mum, I'm assuming the mum of the family turned around and said, yeah, but it's nice that we're all out as a family, isn't it? And we're all doing Christmas shopping. To which I literally wanted to just grab them and say, are you aware of the current situation where just because it's nice that you're a family, you shouldn't be out in a group of six. So but I had to wait an extra like probably ten minutes because they were all walking around basically holding hands, picking out what flavor chocolate they wanted, and I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, we're in a pandemic where you're not meant to be out. I mean, it's bad enough that we're out and we're doing a lot of shopping, but then to just turn around and go, yeah, but it's nice that we're all shopping together. It it, it wasn't nice. It put me in a proper foul mood, and I ended up ringing my friend on the way home so I could have like I needed to get my non-titans out the way that soon because it was just infuriating. It's just. People just don't understand. I don't care if it's nice. It's wrong. So um, that was mine. Sal, are you going to bring us some, I was going to say Christmas joy then, but are you going to bring us some positivity? Have you got a... Uh, no, De- oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Not after this loss. It's going to be all negative for me. Um, so I work in the car business. I sell cars for a living. And uh, it's going to be great to get this off my chest. It's something that I let marinate so often. And I get to tell my coworkers because they share that same displeasure with me. But to let other people know that aren't in my business was, is going to be something fun. Uh, I deal with, on a daily basis, individuals coming into my store. And they start off the interaction with me as a car salesman with, just to let you know, we are not ready to buy a car. We are not ready to purchase a vehicle at this time. Well, let me, I've always wanted to tell them, which unfortunately I can't because that's not how you do things in that business. I don't eat unless I sell cars. I don't pay my rent until, unless I sell cars. Okay. My girlfriend doesn't get Christmas gifts. My family don't get Christmas gifts if I don't sell cars. So if you are not, if you were to come into my store and not purchase a vehicle, at least dangle the illusion in front of my face that you might buy a vehicle. Don't start off the conversation by saying, Hey, Am I allowed to say a cuss word on this pod, or, is, or, or do we do we not do we do we strain away from that typically? We generally strain away, but if you, if it's got to be done, I'm sure Adam can put something on as as a bit okay. of a warning. This is this is what I picture the guy saying. Hey, jackass! I'm gonna waste your time today. I'm not gonna allow you to make a sale. Well, don't tell that to me straight up. <laughs> at least at least dangle the illusion in front of my face that you know what. I might buy a vehicle today. I'm not, but I'll let you think I am so we can have a friendly engagement throughout the day. And then you can let me down miserably at the end by saying, <laughs> well, let me think about it, which is what I hear all, all the time when people are never, oh, let me think about it. Well, you know what? I have plenty of things I'm thinking about that I can't share with you. That's my non-Titans related take. It drives me crazy. And when I get off the pod with you guys today, I'll probably be dealing with about 15 to 20 people that are going to be doing that exact same thing, especially during the holidays. So that that's my take. Well, hopefully we've managed to relieve a bit of the stress from it. And I mean, to me, I'd just be like, "Oh, you're not here to buy. All right, fair enough," and just walk off. And that's say, well, what I'm I, here to sell you a car. <laughs> I have dreams about 
that. I have dreams about doing that, but unfortunately I cannot. I have to, I have to sit with them and go through all the motions and oh, act as no if way. they're the best thing since sliced bread and then get let down as always. the worst type of people we can add them to the list there's many people we've got on the list of people that just shouldn't be allowed exist whatever whatever word we want to use but um it, it's it's yeah i can definitely see where that's annoying well thank you so much for coming on sal i mean um it'd be awesome to have you on again and hear your views obviously towards the end of the season um where can everyone like find you where where, where are you online are you a twitter Yes, my Twitter is at Salmanfridi. It's definitely much easier than typing in uh, what my what my name on there is with a thousand <laughs> letters. So that's at S A L M A N F R D I. That's where I'm on constantly. That's where I engage with all of you most often. Um, and yeah, I, I greatly appreciate you having me on. This is what I like to do more than anything. Talk about this team. I'll more than be willing to come back on if you'll have me. And hopefully, we'll have a lot more positive things to talk about than today. Yeah, hopefully so. We'll we'll, we'll uh, have a nice uh, playoff or maybe a Super Bowl win conversation. That that sounds nice. Well, again, thank you so much for joining everyone who was uh, listened. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, we've managed to uh, take the pain of Cleveland away just a little bit. And even if we haven't, we'll be back next week to definitely uh, cheer everyone up after a big Jags win. Um. So yeah, thank you. Obviously, we're on Twitter, Facebook, even on Instagram. We need to start posting on there more. I think we need to get Brian in charge of that. We need to get pictures of people in hats and jerseys that they get for Christmas because we know there'll be a lot of you. And uh, yeah, tighten up, everyone. Tighten up.